This is Garden Variety, a horticulture podcast from Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. I'm Charity Nebbe. The weed-free turf grass lawn has been the American ideal for a long time, but more and more people are looking for greener or more environmentally friendly alternatives. If you are one of those people, today's guests have teamed up to put together the resources you need. Ecologist Kathy McMullen is an adjunct associate professor in the Department of Natural Resource Ecology and Management at Iowa State University. Hello, Kathy. Good morning. And Casey Waters is Iowa State University Extension Natural Resources Field Specialist. Hello, Casey. Hello. Good morning. It is wonderful to have both of you here. And I mentioned, uh, Kathy, that weed-free turf grass ideal lawn. But that doesn't tell the whole story of American lawns. Uh, You really feel that the idea of having a more biodiverse lawn is is a return to uh, the way we used to do things. Tell me about that. Yes, actually, it is. So kind of a brief history. Um, The idea of a lawn was brought from... England, where clover, grasses, um, that kind of landscape was essential to feeding sheep and cattle. When the English came to the eastern U.S., however, it was highly forested, and so they had to create these pastures. So they brought all the seed to create them with them, and so the early early pastures were uh, heavily um, mixed species of clover, um, timothy, um, clover, both red and white clover, alfalfa, and they were in the commons where they uh, fed cattle and sheep still. And from there, it kind of got privatized. And so this idea of these mixed um, species, they called them greens at the time, kind of spread to private properties. And then from there, um, technology really promoted the sort of um, ideal of that uh, single species turf. So it had the invention of the lawnmower and fertilizer, irrigation, chemicals. And what I think is really interesting and that I learned in the course of developing this program with Casey is that up until about 70 years ago, all lawn mixtures were still a mixture of clover and grass. And it was only after the advent of chemicals during World War II that clover got reclassified as a weed. Hmm. So so there's a it is a kind of what we're promoting is sort of re- a return. Right. So we're we're bringing clover back into the lawn. Of course it's it's already in a lot of lawns, but we have seen in the last few years especially these uh movements toward pollinator friendly lawns or no mow may really mm. got a lot of traction last year. And just not mowing your lawn doesn't necessarily make it pollinator friendly. So, Kathy, you, you're focusing on what kinds of plant species we should be mixing in with that turf lawn or even replacing that turf lawn ri- with, right? Yes. So um, we have five species we've focused on so far. So clover, uh, dooryard violet, wild strawberry, a uh, species called chickweed, and then... Um, What's our final one, Casey? Wood sorrel. Wood sorrel. And what's fun about it is that these are all low-growing plants, and they're all also edible. Oh, nice. So they're <laughs> good, good for nature, but they can also be good for your salad bowl they as well. They can, <laughs> yes. All right, but, and when but, you say they're low-growing plants, uh, are you also saying that we would need to mow significantly less? Yes, it would need to mow. I think sort of the, the thought on clover particularly 
let it flower in the spring, and then maybe some point after they're done flowering, kind of mow high. So when we look at these different species and think about putting them in our lawns, are are you suggesting trying to replace your turf grass lawn? Or is there a, a, a method for transition that you would recommend? I would recommend um, in a lot of lawns, especially in uh, areas with a lot of trees, there are just places where grass doesn't want to grow. So at, in my own place, I've taken... I identified those patches and sowed clover into those. So I, I would start kind of gradually and just sort of look at where the grass isn't doing well and then add. All right. And sowing clover into one of those patchy spots, how do you do that? You buy clover and we have a website um, with some information on where you can buy it. And you just simply sow the clover, um, maybe rake the soil a little bit to get good seed soil contact. Um, and then keep it watered while the while it's young, and once it's established, then you don't really need to water unless it's extreme drought. So a little tending early on to get it started. All right, and then will that spread into your lawn, or or do you recommend doing maybe another patch next year or a couple years down the line? Yeah, I would I would recommend doing another patch and. When I've done it, I've kind of done a spring sowing, see see where it takes off, and then sow again in the fall. I am looking at the the website that the two of you have put together, and uh, you can find it at naturalresources.extension.iastate.edu slash lawn alternatives. And you've got profiles of each of these species that you're talking about and, and some links to some advice about how to create a, a pollinator lawn, etc. Is it easy to get your hands on these seeds? Because maybe they weren't in such high demand not very long ago. Uh, clover is easy to find sources for. Some of the others, you do have to go to either native plant websites or for chickweed, for example. I found it at a, a site that specializes in medicinal plants because apparently it does have some medicinal qualities. I want to ask you, Casey, um, I I mentioned the idea of pollinator-friendly lawns, and I think that's one of the things that is really driving this movement is to support pollinator species. And we know that having plants that pollinate mixed in with your lawn, especially things that flower really early in the spring, that can make a real difference. But I'd love for you to tell me a little bit more about how you see creating more biodiversity in your lawn uh, benefiting all of us. Yeah, so I think the the hot topic, right, is pollinators. Everyone loves to support the butterflies and the bees that we all enjoy. But when we're looking at adding more species to our yard, we're looking at increasing biodiversity overall, not just in our plant composition, but also in the greater wildlife community, right? So along with those bees and butterflies that are supported by these different broadleaf, low-growing species, We're also going to support caterpillars and worms and different little invertebrates that maybe we don't think are very fun, but birds love those, right? Those are the the food that birds are going to be feeding to their young ones. So not only are we supporting pollinators, but we're supporting those invertebrate populations that really do kind of lay the groundwork for everything else in that um, trophic cascade, if you will, right? As we're moving up from 
invertebrates to insectivores to carnivores. Um, so all of those little bugs are feeding all the birds that we also love to see. And just beyond wildlife populations, something like this kind of alternative lawn, if you will, is going to help with uh, soil erosion, reducing erosion, and um, runoff when we're looking at different chemicals that are running off in our water, right? If you think of a that ideal turf grass lawn, we've got one species, that Kentucky bluegrass, usually very, very short little roots that's not doing a lot to hold that soil in place. And you can see during a, a large rain event how that water just kind of runs right over the top. So when we get more of these other species in there, they're able to hold that water a little bit longer and pull out some of those excess nutrients, which puts cleaner water in our waterways. So pollinators are the big kind of hot topic that I think everyone thinks about right away, but there are so many other benefits to doing something other than that monoculture turf grass lawn. So we are also creating, it sounds like you're saying, little islands of habitat. So when you think about you're feeding birds, but you're also supporting migrating birds and and other species that might be making their way through, right? Absolutely. So if we look at just habitat connectivity overall, right, a lot of what we would call natural habitat is broken up now in our urban areas because we need places to live too. So if we can create these little islands of of biodiversity that can act as kind of little stepping stones for connectivity between larger patches of habitat, which is going to be great for all of our fun migrating birds that we like to document. You can find these resources we've been talking about at naturalresources.extension.iastate.edu slash lawn alternatives. I'm talking with ecologist Kathy McMullen and biologist Casey Waters. For more gardening information and tips, subscribe to Garden Variety Newsletter at iowapublicradio.org slash garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Garden Variety is a production of Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension. It's produced by me, Aaron Style, Caitlin Troutman, and the Iowa Public Radio talk show team. For more garden goodness, please subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. Just go to iowapublicradio.org slash garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. See you next time.